You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident finalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today's going to be very simple. I'm going to give my thoughts on the Mike Daniel situation, which really just became clear to me as I woke up. Um, I'm trying to navigate it and figure out this and that and maybe this. and it, it, It's not that I... I kind of always had the conclusion. I just have a, a very strong opinion on that conclusion at this particular point in time. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be a little bit grumpy. And I'll, 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 I'll take it one step further. If you're a very sensitive human being, and you're very big on, on feelings and emotions and being nice and polite, please just don't listen to this episode because I don't want to li- lose any listeners. I just don't. I like that the show is growing and the, and the season's coming up and, you know, I'd like the number to go up. Hey, football's here. A big boost. I, I don't want people leaving. So just let me vent for a day. You go off and enjoy your Saturday. Go out with your friends. Talk about your feelings. And we'll circle back tomorrow and, and talk about, you know, nice things and pe- Packers winning football games and things like that. Deal? Okay? Because as I'm coming down here, it's like, nah, maybe I shouldn't do this. Because people are going to get all upset. And the only reason I say that is because I go on Twitter. And I see how feely it is. And how emotional it is. And that's why I don't go on Twitter. Right? Well, football's a business. <gasps> how dare you! I gotta, I gotta get out of here. Can't handle this, man. So, anyways... With that being said, iTunes, phone number, links in the description. Let's take our break and talk some Mike Daniels real quick. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So here was my general kind of... The big question is why? Not even so much, you know, why the Lions and all that kind of stuff, because whatever. Why couldn't the Packers get any compensation? And when you see the Lions paying $9 million, the question really starts to flare up. Because obviously teams are willing to go at him. And, and there's even some talk that maybe other teams offered a little bit more money. Mike Daniels just wanted to play the Packers, right? And this is, by the way, easing into um, the whole 
football is not for the it's not for the weak. It's not about feels. It's not about emotions. Mike Daniels got cut. The first thing he says is, I'm coming back for you. Same thing Brett Favre did, right? When I was younger, I didn't like that. It hurt my feelings. Brett Favre doesn't care. He wanted to destroy the Packers, and he wanted the entire fan base to sit and watch it happen. Mike Daniels is going to do the exact same thing, and he's willing to give up a Super Bowl to come back and hurt all of us. Just want to make that very clear. But I'm trying to understand, and I'm looking at the difference between cuts and trades, and if you go to over the cap, you can see that there is a little bit of a difference, but usually the trade is actually more beneficial. But when I read the actual description, you know, NFL 101 and all that, there, there isn't really a difference. So I, I, I don't think that there is anything gained by cutting as opposed to trading. And maybe I'm, I'm missing something, but I don't believe I am. I don't think we gained anything from this. So I'm trying to think why. And, and you know, I kind of... I came down to a couple different conclusions because there were a lot of teams coming to the table, but they said the trade talks broke down. Now, now the interesting thing is they had to have been offering something. Nobody comes to a trade discussion. You don't have multiple teams at a trade discussion saying, just so you know, I'm here willing to offer nothing. I just want him. That's, that's not how trade discussions work. So they were all offering something. Now, maybe it was a player, in which case the Packers are looking at it going, no, I don't want a player, because then we'd have to cut somebody, and if you're offering somebody that you're not interested in, then it's just no good, and that kind of becomes problematic. The other side of the coin is people point out the Lions are paying like a million dollars more. I, I don't know what the translation between a cap, what, a, a draft pick, and say a million dollars would be, but I know that teams really, 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 really covet draft picks. I wouldn't be surprised if a million dollars was closely translatable to a seventh-round pick. But here's the thing. The question kind of then comes down to, for me, okay, let's say teams are all offering a seventh. Why don't you take it? And the only thing I could come back to is, you know, it, it, it comes down to one of two or possibly both things. Number one, as a team, you set a, a baseline, right? I'm not going to get punked out of something less than a, a sixth or a fifth-round pick. That's what he's worth. And I'm if you want him... Right, you're not going to push me around. This is what he's worth, and if you want him, you will pay this. Otherwise, we're going to cut him, and you're going to have to go out and try. And, and it, it kind of sends a message. Let's say the Patriots want him. I'm, I'm going to give you a seventh. Nope, you're going to give me a fifth if you want him, or a fourth, or whatever. Patriots are laughing. Like, there's no way in the world. You seventh and nothing else. All right, fine, we're going to cut him, and he's going to go to somebody, and you don't know where he's going to go, and it, it becomes a negotiating tactic because you don't want to get pushed around. Right, you start taking way too little, and then everybody's just, next time you come to the negotiating table, people are going to push you around. They're going to offer you too little, knowing you're going to take it. So this is this is basically a a willingness to get up get up and walk away from the table. It's a negotiating tactic because next time we come to the table with an offer, you know I'm not bluffing. This is what he's worth. This is what you're going to give me. Otherwise, he's going to get cut, and somebody else is going to get him. If you want him, this is what you're going to pay. That's the best answer I can come up with. And I can kind of understand it to a point. Getting nothing in return when we could have got something, and now that he's a lion, makes me a little bit upset. But th- there's somewhat... Because because the va- the value of any trade we try to make in the future plummets if we take too little from Mike Daniels. That's sort of the problem. Because everybody knows that you know you, you can take the Packers for a ride, right? And you just offer them nothing and they'll accept it because they're weak and soft and pathetic. That's the best thing I can come up with. The second best answer is disrespect. You know, if we trade him for a seventh, that's sort of disrespectful to Mike Daniels. That one I don't really care about. I don't. We just cut him. 
right? We, we cut him. That's, that's about as disrespectful as you can get. Don't give me this garbage about it's a business and we got to do the right thing for our team and, and for our players and for the fans and for the franchise. But we're going we're gonna to basically do some charity case and, and cut him and take nothing because we don't want to hurt his feelings by giving up. A, that, I just don't think that's a thing. I, I don't think the Packers would do that. that that's, that's off the table in my mind. If that happened, I have lost a lot of respect for Brian Gutekunst and whoever else was involved in this decision. But here's the other thought I had as I'm sitting upstairs. Our Keurig broke, so I had to actually make a pot of coffee. Oh, the, the struggles of life. I'm sitting around, dead tired, waiting for this dumb thing to brew. It's probably why I'm so grumpy. I had to wait an extra 48 seconds for my coffee, and I'm just in a rage. But let me ask you this. Why not trade him for nothing? Now, this is the opposite end of the spectrum, right? I, I, I get it. If, if, if the reason we cut him is for the negotiating tactic, which is the best thing I can come up with, I'm just offering an alternate solution. Let's just say that nobody wanted to, to offer anything. Why wouldn't trading him for nothing be a thing? Here, here's also the analogy. You, you guys know I have the best analogies. They make so much sense and um, are super, super awesome. Not confusing or dumb at all. Y'all ever seen Cujo? I was very little when I saw it because, um, you know, my dad had no sense of he's too little to watch this. It was It, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Cujo, that kind of stuff. That's, that's what I, that and Star Trek is what I grew up on. Anyways, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it and for some reason really, really want to go watch it and haven't gotten around to it at this point in time, earmuffs, because here we go. Cujo is a dog. Big and, 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 you know... Not scary, because he's your best friend, because he's a cool dog and all that. Well, he gets bit by some kind of rabbit animal. Rabbit, squirrel, I don't know. Becomes kind of a psychopath. Tries to kill everybody. Mike Daniels is Cujo. And we are basically, being the Green Bay Packers, we are that rabid rabbit. And we know we're about to bite him right in the face. You called him into your office knowing full well that as a rabid rabbit, you're going to bite him right in the face. Now, this stuff takes a while to kick in, right? You got a little bit of time. So you just bit Mike Daniels in the face. What are you going to do? Now, for the sake of the analogy, we're not going to offer the option of taking him out back and shooting him because, I mean, it doesn't fit the analogy also. I mean, what are we doing here? It's just a game. Come on. Jeez, people are crazy. I said I was in a bad mood, but that's, I mean, come on. I hope you didn't think I was taking it there. Tell you what we should do with Mike Daniels. (laughs) No, no, that's not what I'm saying. But let's say that's off the table, and what's the second best option? You load them up in your car, and you drive really, really fast, and go somewhere really, really far away, and you drop them off at your friend's house, right? And then you let them be somebody else's problem. Hey, Arizona Cardinals, you guys want, want a new puppy? He's super awesome. He might kill all your friends and neighbors, but just lock him out of your house, and uh, you'll be fine. He'll keep all the bad people away. What we did is we called Mike Daniels, Cujo, up into the office as a rabid rabbit, bit him right in the face, and then just opened up the door and said, okay, bye, bud, go figure it out on your own, and we closed the door and we locked it. And now we got a rabid dog right at our front door. Again, I'm calming down, so I don't, I don't think it's going to be... You, you, can, you can come back, lady, sensitive person. Come here. We'll be all right. We'll get through this. Here's the bottom line. Mike Daniels doesn't care about us. Mike Daniels got cut, and the first thing he thought is, I want to go play somewhere, and I want to hurt the Packers. That makes him the bad guy, right? Not in life, 
right? If I saw Mike Daniels, I'd, you know, shake his hand, be like, thank you so much, all that stuff, right? And he'd be super cool to me. But in the context of football, which is something we, we're going to have to be able to go in and out of, right? When, we, when we're outside of football, it's all like, hey, how you doing, best friends? And we go into football, you got to be willing to get a little mean. Mike Daniels, he's the bad guy. Let, let me give you an example of, of when you step into football, what it sounds like. I just saw this clip, and it made me smile, because it's like, oh, good. There's still grown-ups that are mean and violent in football, and I like that. This is a clip I saw online. It's a preview of Hard Knocks. Right now has dreams, don't they, guys? I said it to the rookies, all right? Everybody in the NFL, I have a dream of making it in the NFL. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into nightmares. You guys with me on that? You got to end somebody's dream. You got to take their job. You got to take their heart. Are you guys, you guys clear about this NFL now? We're not trying to go to the Peach Bowl. We're not trying to go to the Gator Bowl or the Blue Bonnet Bowl. We're trying to go to the Super Bowl, okay? And to do that, you got to really try to end somebody's dreams. Are you clear on that, Farrell? Okay, I mean that now. So get into that. That's it, man. Football in a nutshell. It's cutthroat from the time you step onto that football field. From the moment you get drafted or go undrafted or whatever it is, that's what it is. It's kill or be killed. And at the end of the day, you're not going to survive. You're not going to make it. At some point, you're, you're off the team and you're out of here. And everybody knows that and everybody signs up for it. And the only reason that I bring this up is because I know that if I bring up the, the idea of trading him for nothing, somebody's going to talk about how that's disrespectful to him. He should have the opportunity to go out into the, into the market and, and, and make some money. That he, they're doing him wrong. How dare you trade him to somebody else for nothing? Why not let him go out into the... I don't care about Mike Daniels and his ability to make money. I care about the Green Bay Packers. As the GM of the Green Bay Packers, I could not care any less about Mike Daniels and his ability to make an extra million dollars or to go to the team of his dreams or to be able to play the Packers and beat us to a pulp. I'm going to ship him off to Siberia for all I care. If I had that ability, I would. Not really, but I'm just saying. In, in the context of the NFL, yeah, I, I'm going to send him to a garbage team very, very far away. It doesn't have to be a garbage team, but I, I'm not sending him to the Patriots. I'm not sending him to the Rams. I'm not sending him to anybody that's going to, to beat us this year. Definitely not a division po- opponent or somebody that's going to stop us from winning a Super Bowl or help another team beat us in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs? Nope. Not going to the Chiefs. Sorry. Sorry, Chief. Ain't going to happen. You can go to the Raiders. You can go to the Cardinals. And hey, if you play well enough, we don't know the contract anymore. They can, they can sign you up for another contract. Or maybe they can do right by you and release you and let you play somewhere else for a bunch of money. I'm not going to do that. And again, look what happens. Not that the Packers did this to be nice. It, maybe it was the first thing. It was a pride thing. I don't know. But it was either the pride thing and the I'm not going to be taken advantage of thing. Or it was the I, you know, I want to give Mike the opportunity, blah, blah. Dumb. Because we tried to do right by him. And look what happened. Did he take it to heart and say, well, I appreciate that. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i be sure to, to do right by you and I wish you the best? No! He gave up a chance to play for the Patriots and win a Super Bowl this year so that he could play for the Detroit Lions, a team that he knows is not going to win the Super Bowl, but is going to give him an opportunity to bludgeon Aaron Rodgers. He's going to try to hurt Aaron Rodgers a lot. He's going to. He wants to. He's going to lay into him. He's going to be fighting with our offensive line, and I mean fighting. He's going to be physically, verbally, emotionally, everything, bludgeoning our offensive line. And he wants that desperately. 
He turned down better teams. By all accounts, he turned down more money so that he could turn around and hurt us. You want to tell me about feelings? I don't care. I will trade you for nothing. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what, I'll pick up a piece. I'll, 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 I'll hang on to a half a million. You could pay a half a million less. Because it's worth it to me to get him out of here, far, far away. Now, to be honest, if it's me, I'm probably not cutting him anyways. He's just going to play out the last year of his contract. But one of the benefits of trading him now is I get some compensation and or I get to get rid of him. Why did you just cut him? So now we don't get him and we don't get compensation and we don't get to choose where he plays. And now Mike Daniels is playing for the Lions and we got $8 million and it's just sitting there doing nothing for us. I, I, you know, I, I don't like the conversations going on on Twitter because it's all like, well, the Packers did something dumb. And it's like, well, I don't have all the information, but I don't know what information I could possibly be missing that makes moving Mike Daniels from the Green Bay Packers to the Detroit Lions a good thing. I, I can't figure out what could possibly make this a positive thing. Well, we got to sign um, Kenny Clark. Who before today thought we couldn't sign Kenny Clark because Mike Daniels is still on the team? I don't think anybody thought that. We had money. You can still sign him, right? And then it just means that Mike Daniels is definitely gone next year. Or maybe we hold off on extending Dean Lowry until next year. It's only $6 bucks. I mean, literally, you can't wait until January or February after we win the Super Bowl to cut Mike Daniels. It's not that far away. Just wait. But if you can't wait... And that's fine. And again, I mentioned, oh, it's, it's a good thing, right? You know, I don't really so much care about the money, but hey, extend Kenny. That's a good thing. Get Dean signed up. Cool. Right? Give other guys, Montrevious, some playing time. That's a good thing, right? They're doing right by these guys. They did right by Mike. They're doing right, 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 right. And now I'm seeing right just smack us in the mouth. And it's like, you know what? I don't like doing the right thing anymore. And as much as I don't think Brian Gutekunst is soft, right? We saw last year, Brian Gutekunst came in with a hatchet and just started getting everybody out. I don't know what my place is on this team. Bye, haha. Bye, Ty. Bye. Goodbye. Bye, Mike. See ya. Get out. Bye. He's they're they're just cutting everybody. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. I don't like you. I don't like you. You got a weird face. Get out of here. But I I don't know. And and again, maybe I am missing something. But I I just don't see how letting him walk out the door for nothing was the right decision when we know teams were available and willing to give something. And again, the best thing I can come up with is we, we set a, a mark, and I'm not, you know, you know that the Packers are serious. If you actually want him, you want to lock him up, and for $8 bucks, you're going to give me this, and you're not going to take us for a ride. Best thing I can come up with. Outside of that, I got nothing. And even so, and I, you know, I get it. I really, really do get it. And if you want, listen, I, I would almost take that a step further and say, okay, how about this? Patriots. Certain teams have a premium, right? The Lions are at the table. The Patriots are at the table. If you guys want them, you're giving me a fourth-round pick today. Otherwise, I'm going to send them to the Cardinals for nothing, right? I mean, if we're getting nothing anyways, what? That, that's the other end of the coin. You're getting nothing for him, and you've accepted you're getting nothing for him. Then send him somewhere for nothing. That's where it has to come down to doing right by Mike Daniel. If we're getting nothing, then we should just release him and let him go do his thing. That's the right thing to do. And again, I just don't care. I don't. And I don't know why there's certain things that are where we have to get like super moral. right? We, we just heard Gruden, and we know what Brett Favre did, and we know what Mike Daniels did. We know that this is a vicious sport. And basically, it's you step onto a football field, and all anybody wants to do is get you off of it. 
right? Everybody else on the team wants to take your job. The coaches and the GMs, once you start making money, they want you off the team. And they're trying to replace you every single second they get. And even Mike Daniels, when you're playing at a high level, you're 30 years old and we got young guys, we're taking them over you. That's just It's just a constant game of we want you gone. But then at some point, it's kind of like, yeah, let's do, nice, let's do the right thing by him. No, no, no. Don't do the right thing by him. And by the way, we're not talking about something super vicious here. The guy's a multimillionaire who we're going to send him somewhere where somebody else is going to pay him $8 million to play a game. Cry me a river. Oh, no, you got to spend a year in Arizona. Aw, shucks, you got to go to Nashville. I'm not crying. I just I got a dry spot in my throat. That was weird. Oh, shucks. You're going to retire at 32 years old. I'm multi-bajillionaire, a famous football player that is loved and revered by everybody, including Packers fans. And I still do like Mike Daniels. Again, step into football, kind of vicious. Step out of football, hey, he's still a cool guy who did a lot of cool stuff, and I'd shake his hand, and I like Mike Daniels. But we're talking about within the context of this sport. We're, we're in the football realm and we're talking about how to handle his contract, which we own the rights to. I think the Packers gambled and lost. right? They, they wanted to come and, and play tough and play hardball at the negotiating table. And a bunch of teams probably are upset they lost out. But this one came back and bit us. If nothing else, you, you get a lot of... Uh, well, okay, here's a negative. <laughs> Players' agents. And this, this actually may be a factor that I just now am considering. I heard uh, just recently that a lot of agents are very, very angry with the San Francisco 49ers because of the way that they handle their, um, their bonus structuring. Basically, they don't pay out the bonus. Like, the Packers pay out their bonuses, I think, in March, right? Jimmy Graham and a bunch of guys got, like, million-dollar bonuses. And the thing is, once you pay that bonus, it's like, all right, we're probably not going to get rid of them. We just paid them, you know, two million bucks or whatever. San Francisco doesn't pay out the bonuses until, like, June or July or something crazy which means they have a really long time to figure out what's going on. You get some time to work people out. You get some physicals done. And you might be able to cut somebody when everybody else has already got their 90-man roster because they have to get things figured out because you're paying out all these bonuses and stuff. Perhaps you, if you do wrong by players, morality aside, when you're looking at free agency and whatnot, you may have, um, not that the Packers can never get anybody, you know, money talks, especially if you're a good football team, so do Super Bowl rings. But you might have some agents saying, all things being evil, e- equal, do not go to the Green Bay Packers. They don't treat their guys right. You know, they, they treat their guys like garbage, whatever. So that could be another side of this, too, where you're scoring points with agents. Like, look, if, if things don't work out, we're not going to trade them away just for a seventh. We're going to do, do right by them. We're going to let them go and, and make it. But that better work out in free agency. Right? It's kind of like why we got a bunch of undrafted guys all the time, because agents knew, hey, if you, if you want a legit shot of playing, you're going to play for the Green Bay Packers because they actually give these guys a shot. The negative side of that is we have to actually play with undrafted free agents as opposed to going out in free agency and just filling all the holes. We're just going to fill it with undrafted guys, which is great if you want to get a bunch of undrafted free agents on your team. But I, you know, I don't know to what exact benefit that is. Like, yeah, we're number one team as far as undrafted free agents wanting to pick us. Problem is they're undrafted free agents. Also, we're still Green Bay, so some players are just like, no, I'm not going there. It's cold and there's nothing to do. It's boring. But I don't know. I, we'll see if we get a little bit more information, but I'm, I'm trying to cover all the bases in terms of why this happened the way that it happened. And again, if you're asking me, just with the information I have, hoping I'm not missing something, and I, I really do believe the, the negotiating thing would be, would be tough to get over. That is, I think, a, a pretty solid sticking point. However especially if you have a lot of teams at the table, 
you know, may, maybe we got to work on our negotiating skills because you should be able to get this room up and, 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 and going, right? Get them playing off each other a little bit. You know, hey, I got so-and-so offering me a seventh. I'm going to send them to you. Are you going to give me anything else? It's kind of like when I went out and looked for, for a house, right? It's a terrible time to buy a house. I think the market's slowly cooling, but it's still vicious. And we went out somewhere, and, and basically what, what homeowners were saying is you're going to bring 20 grand cash over what the, the, uh, the, the value of the house is, what we're asking, or don't even bother. And so we just dropped out. I think when you have a lot of interest, when we're talking about seven, eight, nine, ten teams that are interested in Mike Daniels, you can start to set those benchmarks. Like, look, I, I, I'm getting at least a seventh. Are, are you going to bring that to the table? Right? If you want them, right, the market's hot. I'm telling you right now, I, I'm going to get at least a sixth for them. So be willing. You know, I want, you know, a fifth or, you know, a sixth and a player or something. Figure it out and, and bring it to me. But I need serious offers because this is going to go fast and it's, it's getting hot. And, um, you know, I mean, and you listen to it and, you know, Mark Murphy talking about, well, we, or maybe it was good. I don't know. It doesn't matter. And they said the, uh, the trade talks broke down. I mean, it, listen, it is an art. And we know that Brian Gutekunst was brought in because of his draft acumen. And, um, you know, we, we've got a guy that's great with contracts. Who, who's the, who's the negotiator? Is it Mark Murphy? I mean, he's the businessman. We might need to invest in, in somebody that's a little bit better in, in the negotiating side of things. Cause I don't think this went well. We left value on the table because somebody doesn't know how to negotiate properly. It's a bottom line. We, we could have and should have got something from this, and we didn't. I mean, just, just, just bottom line, what is his value and why didn't we get it? You're telling me right now that we can get a fourth-round pick for HaHa Clinton Dix and we can't even get a fifth for Mike Daniels or a sixth or a seventh for Mike Daniels? Are you telling me that? And by the way, that, that kind of throws sand in, in my argument about they don't know how to negotiate because a fourth for HaHa isn't bad. But something went terribly awry here. And, and sure enough, worst case scenario, he goes to a division rival. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I'm saying, well, the Vikings don't have money, the Bears don't have money, and, and the Lions don't really need him, although they, they could use him. I mean, it, again, you can never have too many defensive linemen, which is the one thing that should have stuck out in my mind. And they need better pass rushers, right? They've got snack... Dude, they've got Trey Flowers and Mike Daniels and Snacks Harrison. I mean, Snacks Harrison is one of the best, if not the best, defensive linemen in terms of run stuffing. Mike Daniels is still one of the better pass rushing defensive tackles. That's just that that's a that's oh it's not good, man. It is not good at all. But anyways, them them's sort of my thoughts and, and hopefully they're gonna be my last thoughts for some time. But um yeah, I mean it we we've had a hard time beating the Lions and it just got harder. You know, they they've got a great defensive front. And it's not just well they're all run defenders. Trey Flowers is a good pass rusher, Mike Daniels we know is a great pass rusher. And it, it's flipped, right? I, I talked about when you look at pressure percentages, the Packers have the best defensive front, then it's the Lions, then it's, I think, the, the Vikings, then it's the Bears. I mean, it's legitimately, if, just if you add up the fronts as a percentage, that's what it was, because the Bears have Khalil Mack and kind of nothing else. Yes, I'm including Akeem Hicks. These aren't PFF grades, they're statistics. But one of our best pass rushers is gone and was added to the Lions. I'm guessing if I add this all up again, the Lions are now number one, and we are maybe number two, possibly number three. Who knows? Because Mike Daniels is huge. I mean, that was a massive percentage. And now we're, instead of Mike Daniels, we're looking at, what, Dean Lowry and Montrevious, so that the number is going to go way down. Now, hopefully Montrevious takes a big step. Dean is still a solid player, all that. And, and if See, this is the thing. Now I'm starting to get nervous. Because right now, as far as, as pressures, Kenny Clark is the guy. We don't know what Rashawn is. I don't really know what Preston and Zedarius are. They had one good year. That's great. 
but what if it's just one good year? What if they Nick Perry it? And I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, like, th- th- this realization hit me, and it's like, oh, no. We officially have one good defensive front, li- defensive lineman. I'm including the outside linebackers in this. I'm hoping Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn are great, and Montrevia steps up, and Kiki's a freak, and, you know, Dean is, is you know, he's, he's kind of up and down. He's solid. He's, he's not great, but he has some years that are pretty, really, pretty, really good, I guess. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Some that are not quite as impressive. I think last year was kind of a bounce-back year because the year prior wasn't really greatest year Dean's ever had. Definitively, though, who's coming into this season as a great person along our defensive front? Kenny Clark. With the potential of Rashawn and the two Smiths and a bunch of other guys. But that's all potential. And suddenly you start to look at it. I mean, it's just one guy, but it it just kind of started this domino effect in my mind of definitively who are the good football players? Kenny Clark, Jair, Blake, probably Amos, but I don't know. Don't know if Josh Jackson's going to be any good. I don't know if Kenny King, Kevin King's going to be any good. I don't know if Oren Burks is going to be any good. I don't know if Darnell Savage is going to be any good. I don't know if Preston and Zadarius are going to be any good. I don't know if Rashawn Gary's going to be any good. This has always been the question, but I, I don't know. It just kind of sent me into a negative tailspin, like, oh, no. Because it feels good when you've got Kenny and Mike there that it's like, well, we know they're dominant. And that's just going to help the other guys be dominant. Even if, you know, the two Smiths aren't quite as good as they were last year. I mean, come on. When you got Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels inside, you're going to be fine. I don't know. It's not good. I mean, this is going to be uh, a lot of this. I mean, everything. Brian Gutekunst, maybe if you want to give him credit for it, I guess, whatever. There's a lot on his shoulders right now. If this team is awesome, he is going to go down as, as one of the greats. Right, he rebuilt this team in a year, and man, oh man, they're marching to the Super Bowl. If this team falls apart, ah, well, it's it's too early to be talking about it, but it's just this is this is a high risk proposition, man. I don't know if Brian Gutekunst has ulcers or not, but I probably would if I was in his shoes. There's a lot riding on this. I mean, everything has his name on it. All this whole team, as as Brian Gutekunst written all over it, including a bunch of players all around the NFL that Brian Gutekunst let go. Anyways, I'm going to get off it. Uh, We're going to take one more break, and then we'll talk about training camp day two. So, first of all, something to keep an eye on. Um, I'm going to try to keep up on this because I think it's, I mean, it's like a lot of things that I do, I do it because it's a benefit to me, right? The NFL Big Board website, I've actually had several times where it's like, maybe I should just shut it down. The problem is I need it for me. I mean, it's a resource that I want, and I can't really find it somewhere else, so I'm going to keep building it until it's what I want, and then it's just going to be my resource, and if doesn't make any money or if it loses money then it is what it is because i need that similarly i take pretty serious notes and i have a hard time keeping it organized struggling and it just really making you know articles i guess or whatever is is kind of helps keep things organized a little bit so i did day one it's not the prettiest thing in the world day two is going to be a lot better I, i gotta add a couple things uh, that should be released. Well, we got to get going here today in a few hours. So actually, I got to wrap this podcast up quick and, and get moving. But be, be on the lookout for that because it's basically what I did is I took all the notes from Twitter and I put them in order of the depth chart. So it's it's going to be, you're going to see some duplicate tweets because some tweets are about multiple players, right? Aaron Rodgers to MVS. Well, it's going to be under Aaron Rodgers notes and it's going to be under MVS's notes. But it, So it's going to be sort of a reference, I guess, rather than like a linear, like if you go on Twitter and see things or whatever. It's also going to be a reference in the future because we're going to forget these things, right? You want to find out what some 
random wide receiver has done, just go back and look at day one, day two, whatever. Or you can just search the website and it'll pull up whatever days that they were relevant in. But uh, be sure to check that out. And again, day two is going to look a lot prettier because the the embedding of the tweets was not working day one. Uh, it is working, and I figured out how to get all that to work. So we're also going to be I'm also going to be putting the uh, the podcast on the website again, which is I've not done for a long time because it wasn't working, but now it's working. Anyways, actually scratch that. I just uh, I just finished the article, so it's up right now. Uh, just so you know, I, I I kind of have to. I got to make some judgment calls in terms of where things go. So there might be some things that are just under general Packers notes. So check that first. Some things that have to do with personnel. Technically, they're talking about the player, but it's not super relevant to that player. So, you know, it's just make sure you read the notes and the injuries because there's some stuff that's that's related to players that are not going to be under the players things that are going to be under there. After that, feel free to just search each an individual player and you can find all their notes and everything. It's it's a massive article, man. This day one was nothing compared to day two. There's so much here. It's absolutely crazy, and I'm pretty excited because it's going to be a pretty awesome resource. So be sure to check that out, packernet.com, training camp day two. I'll post it in the Facebook group and Twitter and whatnot. But anyways, um, and I'm, I'm not going to go over every single note because, again, it's it's kind of unnecessary in this format, but just kind of highlight a couple things. First of all, some roster moves. The Packers signed Corey Grant and uh, Olive. Ugh, somebody said how to say it. It's not Olive. It's Olive, I think. Sagapolu, something like that, whatever, defensive lineman, from the Badgers, by the way, and the corresponding cut to get us to 90 was Eric Cotton, uh, here, here's what, I'm, I'm actually, I'm usually very skeptical, and you've heard me say a thousand times, when we pick somebody up, generally what the deal is, is they go to the practice squad, and then they end up getting cut late, I don't think I think that's the case with Corey Grant, I'm actually pretty excited, and in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I've referenced Corey Grant as a possible pickup option in the past. When we were going through some of the free agent stuff, Corey Grant is, um, he's up there as far as guys that I like. He's, he's 27, so he's not super young, but um, as I'm sure you saw, he runs a sub, sub 4-3, was it? Just something just dumb. Just, I mean, it, it, it as fast as you could possibly be, that's how fast he is. Um, he played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's a little bit of a relationship between him and our offensive coordinator. Um, you know, in terms of his fit, I mean, you're talking about an outside zone scheme. So if you got to try to hurry up and get to the outside, he's going to be able to do that unbelievably fast. His breakaway potential is just ridiculous. So, I mean, that doesn't automatically make you a phenomenal running back, but he's never really been that bad. Just referencing his PFF grades, and, and it's been limited sample size. He's never really been a full-time starter. Well, he, he has been on occasion, one game or whatever. But 2015, 18 snaps, horrible grade because it's 18 snaps or whatever. 2016, he had 100 snaps, which isn't bad. Had a 67 overall grade, which is average. Uh, did not get a very good receiving grade, not a very good blocking grade, and an average running grade. 2017, 65 snaps, they gave him an elite grade with a 92.5 receiving grade, as in as a receiver, elite average pass blocking grade, and a borderline elite running grade. 2018, 66 snaps, almost the exact same thing. Um, overall grade was average because his running grade dropped way back down. However, his receiving grade for the second year in a row was basically elite. So not only does he have a lot of potential with his legs, but as a receiver for the last two years, he's been one of the best receiving packs in the entire country, in the NFL, whatever. Over the course of about 130 snaps, Combined between 2018 and 2017, he has had an elite grade. Now, 
to be clear, we're still talking about very limited sample size, but we're talking about 17 targets, 15 receptions, 167 yards, with 184 yards after the catch, which is to say that he has more yards after the catch than total yards. Why? Because he catches a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage. But basically, it means he does all this with his legs after the catch. He's not catching it 40 yards down the field. He's catching it behind the line of scrimmage and going out and getting, well, let's see, in 2018, 7.4 yards per reception. In 2017, he had 16.7 yards per reception. So in and around 10, 10, 11, 12 yards per reception over the last two years, 10 first downs. Remember, 15 total receptions, 10 of which translated into first downs. And again, remember, a lot of his catches, most of his catches, almost all of his catches behind the line of scrimmage, and he's getting first downs out of 10 out of 15 times he catches the football. Zero drops, zero fumbles. 2017, he had a passer rating um, when targeted of 118.8, and in 2018, 94.6. Now, that's unbelievably amazing because part of what passer rating is, you know, it, it's easier to have a higher passer rating if, if for example, your MVS, where a lot of your passes are 20-some yards down the field, whatever. When you're catching passes behind the line of scrimmage, your passer rating is not usually going to be very high. To have an average, I mean, in, in his overall passer rating, by the way, for the entirety of his career is 117.9. I've been talking about for a while, I, I would like to get an Amir Abdullah. I would like to get a Duke Johnson. I think we got that in Corey Grant. I really do. I think in terms of a receiving back, and I'm, I'm, you know, I know Aaron's been working on it and all that kind of stuff. I think Corey Grant can be a lethal, lethal receiving back for the Green Bay Packers. And you know, I don't do this very often, right? I, I usually I'm the guy that's like, come on, calm down. He's been sitting out there for a while. You know, obviously there's a reason that he. I don't care. I, I think he's got some great potential. As you know, he's going to be the same thing he was for Jacksonville. And by the way, Jacksonville, Jacksonville is a you know. It's a up-the-gut, smash-mouth kind of running system, which is not exactly the kind of thing you want from Corey Grant. And as a receiver, look at who his quarterback is. Look at who their offensive line is. I mean, this is a completely different situation. He's going from Blake Bortles to Aaron Rodgers. He's going from the Jaguars' offensive line to the Green Bay Packers' offensive line. He's going from a smash-mouth run-the-ball system to an outside-zone system. And maybe they ran. I don't. I don't know what they ran, but I know Leonard Fournette is is more of a smash you up the gut kind of a running game. So I'm guessing they built it around him. So Corey Grant does not exactly fit that system. He's 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 more of the counter, right? But the problem is when you have that, you have when Fournette's on the field, you know what they're doing, and then when Corey Grant comes out, you know what they're doing. With this system, it's going to be a little bit different, and you can split Corey Grant out. And I I just I really think he's going to make the team, and I think he's going to be in the rotation. I don't know if it's necessarily so with. With the other three guys, it's a matter of who's the one, who's the two, and who's the three. I think Corey Grant is just going to be, it's almost like a different position, right? So it's not a matter of where does he slot as far as one, two, and three. It's its a separate position almost, even though they're both, they're all going to be halfbacks, running backs, whatever. Now we'll see what happens. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I, I like Corey Grant. I think he's going to have a role. I think he, he adds a dimension to this offense that we didn't have until we got him. Uh, I think it's going to expand the playbook, and I, th- I think he's going to, you know, I'm not talking about pick him up in fantasy because he's going to just dominate. I think Aaron Jones is going to be the primary guy as far as running goes. I don't know that he's even our f- third best running back. I don't know. It might be, you know, Aaron Jones, then Jamal, then Dexter, then Corey Grant. But as a receiver, and you know that I haven't been super high on Aaron Jones as a receiver, Jamal Williams as a receiver, Packer fans think we have elite receivers in our, with our running back room. I think that's nonsense. We'll see what happens. Aaron Jones apparently spent a lot of time as a receiver. That's great, whatever. 
But I, I just think this is what Corey Grant does. I mean, this is his specialty is being a receiver. And um, he's been, over the last two years, one of the best. I mean, it's just, again, limited sample size, but he's just been dominant. He's very, very good, and it makes sense. His skills, it's That's his skill set. And if, if nothing else, that's – and, again, that's exactly what you're getting if you get, like, an Amir Abdullah. I understand he's not a very good running back, and he never would be, but it gives us that dimension, and it's what I've been saying we need. And I just don't think Mike McCarthy was ever going for that, but LaFleur, he kind of wants that, I think. And uh, we went out and got it, and as far as free agents go, as far as anybody goes, I mean, I would probably take Corey Grant over Abdullah. I wouldn't take him over Duke Johnson, but, I, you know, I'm excited. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't usually get excited about this kind of stuff, but I am. Um, as far as Sagapolu, apparently he's still injured. He's got an injury thing he's dealing with. Um, you know, we, we've got a ton of depth. This, this to me, is the other side of it. This is, um, you know, we, we went down the list. Who's the next guy that's at the top of our list? Let's go grab this guy. But with there's very little expectation, especially with the depth that we have. I mean, we just cut Mike Daniels because the team is so confident that we have more than enough talent along the defensive line. Why would we think that he's going to whatever, right? This is just we have an extra spot. Let's go out and get the best guy that we can and give him a chance to come in and compete. And that's awesome, and he's going to compete, and I'm sure he's a great football player, but it's just a tough roster to crack. Um, All right, so I'm just going to start running through kind of just in order, going through some of the notes. I'm going to be skipping a lot, but just as I see things that are interesting, so it's not going to be in any kind of particular order, just as it comes, just some highlights. And again, if you want the full breakdown, just go check out the article. So via Tom Silverstein, during uh, first and 10 period, offense ran 15 plays, 11 of them were runs. New era, ladies and gentlemen. If this was Mike McCarthy out of 15 plays, 15 of them would have been passes, right? No chance on first and 10. Okay, so maybe it it maybe would have been reversed. At least 11 are going to be passing plays. Matt LaFleur comes in, 11 out of 15 were run plays. He goes on to add quarterbacks were in shotgun just twice. New era. Um, another one, and this is an example of, you know, it's not under the player thing, it's under notes, and the reason is because it has more, in my mind, to do with scheme and, and that kind of stuff than interesting note about the player. But uh, Ross Uglum says uh, they faked a sweep to MVS through a backside slant to Devontae in the vacated space. That's, the, that's, that's it, man. That's what we're talking about. That's the new system. That's, we're going to use this decoy to get people going you know, one way, and we're going to go back the other way and hit Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the NFL, the kind of guy that if you're not on your, on your game 100% paying attention to him, which they're not because you got MVS in motion, we're going to hurt you. I mean, just the fact that Devontae – the fact that there is a, a half a sentence that says Devontae in the vacated space. How in the world is there a vacated space for Devontae? But that's the benefit of this kind of offense. I mean, that's – I don't know. You get the point. Um, Bill Huber says, Rodgers, Kaiser, Wilkins was the quarterback rotation earlier. Rodgers, Boyle, Wilkins is now. There, there's some stuff, and there's a few different notes that seem to imply that Boyle might actually be pushing Kaiser. Now, there is a later note that says Kaiser comes back in. I don't know if I added that, but Kaiser did come back in and was the number two again. But Kaiser's not looking good. Boyle's been looking great. Wilkins is kind of doing whatever. And when you see a little note like this, that they change the rotation from Rodgers, Kaiser, Wilkins to Rodgers, Boyle, Wilkins, especially when Boyle is tearing it up and Kaiser's struggling, kind of makes you wonder, maybe this is happening. Ryan Wood says, saw a lot of 21 personnel in yesterday's install. Today, the inverse. Lots of 12 personnel for the Packers, with Robert Tanyan getting a good helping of first-team reps. That's another another common thread since yesterday and including a little bit today. Robert Tanyan 
is getting a lot of love. And that's that's one of the benefits of this kind of stuff, right? A lot of the things I'm going to skip, you know, Rodgers to Devontae, that kind of stuff, whatever. Go look at all that. But I'm more interested in these kinds of things because when we're trying to figure out the 53-man roster, and by the way, if you want to construct one, this is your homework, right? This is what you're studying because you're looking at guys and, and where they're playing with the ones and the twos and if they're moving up or they're trending down or whatever. These are the things that matter. And, and Robert Tanyan's got a tough competition as well. He's got two very experienced veterans. you got a guy that was just drafted. Tanyan's holding his own. and it, It's just about who the coach is like. And the coaches are going to put guys that they like and they believe in in spots to succeed. Robert Tanyan getting a lot of work with the ones is great news for Robert Tanyan. Andy Herman says, offense can't get lined up and needs to call a timeout. Really tough showing for the offense so far. Defense is dominating. This is another common thing that's been going on. Uh, the, the defense is ahead of the offense. And it, and it makes sense. I mentioned before, if you go back and watch, if you have game pass, uh, the, the Titans week one game against the Miami Dolphins. There's a lot of this, right? They, they can't get lined up in time. They're calling timeouts. It's a complicated offense. It's hard to get all. And, you know, you're calling two, three plays. You got to call in the plays. You've got to say the plays. You got to pick a play. You got to do the, you know, you got motion. You got everything else. You got wide receivers saying, I don't know what's going on. And all. It's it's tough. This is a very, very... Di- it's not just that it's a new offense. It's a new and complicated offense. Um, and again, the defense is ahead of the offense, and uh, that's sort of what this note is about. Um, again, no particular order, but there's another note that the practice was about 2 hours and 12 minutes. Not about. I mean, it was exactly that. Um, Lafleur did not move the practice indoors, which I think is awesome for two, for two reasons. Mike McCarthy would always take it inside if it was bad weather, um, which may, means we didn't get any notes, which was frustrating. Um, but also, here's his his quote. Last time I checked, this is football, and I'm sure we're going to be playing in the elements up here in Green Bay. That's a great note. And it's funny because when I picture Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur in my mind, Mike McCarthy is the hard-nosed, tough, Pittsburgh, you know, hard, you know, dad was a cop kind of guy. And LaFleur's sort of the young, kind of hip, like, hey, let's be friends kind of... It hasn't been that way. And, and the more you look at it, like Mike was a little more relaxed. He was, you know, the things certainly seemed to get lax around the organization in the locker room, all that kind of stuff. But also there's a lot of breaks. There's a lot of it. Matt LaFleur's coming in. He's like, I don't care. We're going to push. We're not getting breaks. You're going to go harder. You're going to go faster. We're going to do more. I don't care that it's raining. Get out there. Quit crying. Matt LaFleur is, is more hard than Mike McCarthy. Um, the standout list for Andy Herman Fidel Brown, Shannon Sullivan, Tim Boyle, Kenny Clark, Devontae Adams, Jair, uh, Amos, EQ, Billy Turner, Jay Sternberger, Oren Burks, and Zadarius Smith. Injury updates. This is another, this is under the general notes is the injuries. Josh Jackson, Darnell Savage, Mason Crosby, Greg Roberts not practicing for the second straight day. Uh, Tony Brown did get hurt, but he came right back out. Kendall Donerson got hurt and he tweaked his hamstring, so that's not a good thing for him. I haven't really seen any notes about him, positive or negative, which is usually not a good thing. It means you're not getting a lot of playing time. Now you hurt your hamstring. Depending on what Mike Pettin thinks of the guy, this is the kind of thing where if you're hanging on by a thread as it is, a simple hamstring injury, you know, it, which isn't simple. We could be talking about several weeks to get this rectified. That may just boot you off the team. So, he may be off the team soon. If he's not, then obviously the Packers feel like there might be something left and Kendall Donerson has something to offer. Uh, Randy Ramsey got hurt. Um, didn't hear any update about him, so he must have came back, but he went down and tried to walk it off and apparently did. And then again, that uh, injury I mentioned about uh, Sagapolu, he had an injury from a torn rotator cuff. He says he's about 85%. Um, going through just the position by position, and I have it broke down by position and then players within that pos- position. So quarterbacks first and then, you know, whatever. 
Um, Kaiser, despite all the negativity, I didn't really see any uh, any negative notes about Kaiser. I have three notes on Kaiser. He hits EQ deep. Offense goes nuts. Uh, a separate play, Kaiser finds Equinemius, who explodes up the field. And then uh, toward the end of practice, Kaiser with the twos in this session as he fires to Sternberger, who gets up the field nicely, which is the only note I've seen in two days on Sternberger. But So three notes on Kaiser, all positive. Skipping over the Aaron Rodgers because it's a lot of Aaron Rodgers completions, whatever, and it's whatever. Go go read them. Uh, Tim Boyle, a lot of good stuff from Tim Boyle. Uh, Andy Herman. Andy Herman's a big Tim Boyle guy, so he's anything positive is going to come from Andy Herman. But he says dime from Boyle to Jewel, but Jewel drops it. Uh, Boyle quick throw outside to Trevor Davis. Boyle continues to get a ton of work with the twos ahead of Deshaun Kaiser. Boyle seems to have a legit shot at quarterback two. Again, seems like it's pretty legit. Also, though, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about Andy Herman, but consider the source, right? He really likes Tim Boyle. He really believes he should be number two. So just keep that in mind. And again, Kaiser did come back and reclaim that number two spot later in the day. And then uh, a third note, again from Andy Herman, Tim Boyle with a ridiculous starter-level throw to hit Devontae Adams for a big, giant gain. Fantastic anticipation. Adams made a great adjustment to the catch. And then finally, in the same tweet, Boyle with another huge anticipation throw to a sliding Kumaro. So overall, not a ton of negative stuff about the quarterbacks. Um, Manny Wilkins, two notes, one good, one bad. Wes Hodkowitz says Wilkins climbs the pocket, delivers a nice pass to Moore on a crosser. That's Jamon, obviously. Aaron Nagler with the negative side, which if you want negative reviews, Aaron Nagler is not afraid to give you those those reviews. Some people are a little more positive, whatever. But uh, Nagler says Manny Wilkins gets three reps, two handoffs and a bootleg where he throws high to a wide open Tanyan for an incompletion. Tough way to live trying to make a team. Um, Devontae, again, just a whole lot of positive because Devontae's solid. We know that. Uh, Marquez note, somewhat obvious, obvious, but Ryan Wood says feels like the wide receiver competition is just getting started. But right now, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is pretty clearly ahead of Equinemius St. Brown as the second perimeter wide receiver across from Devontae Adams. And I'll just continue reading the note because it applies to the other wide receiver, but it says Geronimo Allison in the slot. So it sounds like that's the, the general thing here is that it's going to be in two wide receiver sets it's going to be um, Devontae Adams and MVS in three wide receiver slots it's going to be Devontae, MVS, Geronimo in the slot. As of right now that's what it seems to be. Looks like that tweet is in the wrong spot but I don't care enough to change it. What else is going on here? Equinemius. Sweet back shoulder throw from Rogers to EQ over Alexander. Nice sky from Equinemius. So that's a great tweet for Equinemius because, first of all, when I think of Equinemius, I think of a guy that's got great hands, runs some great routes. You think about those back shoulder type throws. These kinds of things are great for chemistry and trust. If Rodgers is throwing you a back shoulder throw and you not only complete it, which is a a timing thing and a trust thing, but it says nice sky from EQ, meaning presumably he jumped up really high to go and get it. So it just, the picture in my mind is a phenomenal catch. Obviously a great throw also. And he did it against Jair. Uh, we saw the Kaiser to EQ deep. Uh, Trevor Davis had a good catch against Kevin King. Um, we're not there yet, but Kevin King has not had some great reviews. Not trying to be negative, I'm just saying. It's a whole lot of, hey, he caught one on Kevin King, Kevin King struggling. Uh, Trevor Davis on a jet sweep with Jimmy Graham leading, excellent blocking. Uh, then the only note on, I'm skipping a few here, but the only note on Jawill is the one drop, which is not great for him. Uh, Aaron Jones, as far as being a receiver, some pretty positive things. Uh, For example, Aaron Nagler says Jones made a sweet over-the-shoulder catch on this rep, going to be a weapon in the passing game. Also posted a tweet from uh, Matt Schneidman, assuming that's how you say his name, but just about him and how he's been training for this uh, receiving type stuff. Uh, Dexter Williams, he's back. 
There's one note on him having a good run, but otherwise he's he's back training, which is good. Corey Grant, I just posted a ton of stuff. Um, I've got his uh, from Kentley Platt, the RAS stuff, and a whole bunch of other stuff to check out there. Bunch of tight end news. Nothing I really need to mention, I don't think. Evan Bayless, the only note is um, Bayless fumbled. <laughs> so I think it actually got stripped and he did recover it, but still, again, not great. Same thing with, uh, actually, all the uh, tight ends. The, the After Robert Tanya, Nevin Bayless had the uh, the fumble, but recovery. Malcolm Johnson, his one note is, uh, after a great rep from Burks, he gets beat by Malcolm Johnson, but almost ends up with a pick after the throw wasn't handled by Johnson. So, good route, but almost drops the pass. And then the only note from Pharaoh McKeever, McAveer, I don't know how you say his name, but again, Nagler with the, uh, the, the punt in the face. When they came up with the word lumbering to describe the movement of a human being, they had Pharaoh in mind. So there you go. Uh, offensive and defensive line, I put a bunch of, of notes as far as, you know, the one-on-ones. I'm not going to go through that. You could check it out yourself. Kenny Clark seemed to have a good day. A bunch of notes on him stuffing people. Pretty much the same for Dean Lowry and Montrevious. A bunch of, you know, this guy got stuff, that guy got stuff. And again, the, the one-on-ones. Some real good notes on Zadarius. He was one of the uh, the highlights of the day. Uh, first note from Andy Herman. Zadarius shoots through the line for a would-be sack. Second note, Aaron Nagler. I don't know what's going to happen when the pads come on, but Zadarius Smith is constantly in the backfield during team drills. Uh, Rashawn, it sounded like there was you know kind of mixed reviews, but a lot of really good stuff. Uh, Andy Herman says Gary is so good. Spriggs had no chance. A lot of talk about him being super fast. Uh, the one run by Dexter Williams it was a real nice cutback, but Rashawn Gary's where he needs to be and, and was right there waiting for him, so props to him on that. Uh, Reggie Gilbert got his one sack of the day, as is, is expected. Blake Martinez, a bunch of notes. He sounds to be doing pretty well. Oren Burks, good and bad, right? You know, you, you got, there's one play in particular, and I posted the video of it, just phenomenal pass breakup and interception. So he, he sticks with the guy, he gets his hand in, he pops up the ball and gets the pick and starts running the other direction. Fantastic play. You can see a video of it there. But there's also stuff like the tight end beat him on the route. And, you know, as much as he bump, fumbled the, the pass or didn't catch it or whatever and almost gets a pick, that's not to Oren Burks's benefit. If you get a pick because after you got burned, the tight end can't secure it, that's, I mean cool that you got a pick, but how about you don't get burned by a 75th string tight end? Uh, one other really big note, Ty Summers, another guy that everyone's super hyped about that I've been trying to say, like, just calm down because, I mean, he's a seventh round pick and relax. Uh, it's been pretty definitive that um, Curtis Bolton has been ahead of Ty Summers. Now, that doesn't mean Ty can't take his spot, and there's a lot of talk about him being a good special teamer, and that's how he's going to make the team and all that kind of stuff. But as of right now, Curtis Bolton is ahead of Ty Summers. Uh, Jair Alexander, one good note, one bad note, and he's returning punts. Uh, Kevin King, he did get a pick. I know I said he hasn't been doing great, but apparently it was a terrible pass from Rodgers. Again, you can't entirely take it away from Kevin King, but it's it's nice when they make a pick on a great play like Oren Burks did as opposed to I'm in the wrong spot, but Aaron Rodgers hit me in the face with the football. Um, again, Trevor Davis uh, got a pass over Kevin King, which isn't great for Kevin King. And then the worst note was the fake jet sweep to MVS pass. That was against Kevin King. And uh, the final note by Andy Herman, King continues to struggle with inbreakers, which is what I've been saying since forever. If you run in a straight line, Kevin King is going to dominate. If you move a little bit, like in or out or you know left, right, back, Kevin King's not super great. That's what he has to fix if he's going to succeed in the NFL. And so far, it's been a problem. I'm hopeful. We'll see what happens. Uh, Tremont also doing some returns. Kadar, a lot of, lot of positives about Kadar. He's getting some... Uh, Apparently he got a, a real good coverage and a pass breakup on Jamon. 
and he even got a little bit of time with the ones. So um, sounds like things are going pretty well there. Tony Brown, again, the only note was he got hurt for a little bit, and he got beat by EQ. So, um, you know, a few other notes. Adrian Amos seems to be doing pretty well. Raven Green doing some uh, strong safety type stuff. But uh, finally, Mr. J.K. Scott posted a few different things, but um, Bill Huber says he had a 56.5 average, 4.44 hang time on 11 punts. And this is, it's always going to be different. You have five people recording it, five people will have different things. But Ryan Wood says... Uh, 56 yard average and a 442. So pretty close, 56 compared to 56 and a half, and then 442 compared to 444, which is fairly consistent with what he was doing last year. He averaged uh, 44.7 yards per punt and a 452 average hang time. So, I mean, he, the guy can boot it. It's, it's not even a matter of that. It's really just about refining, right? I mean, we know he can kick really hard. The hang time is ridiculous, but we got to get the right kind of accuracy and everything else. So, Sounds like he's still got a great leg, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, as I mentioned, I got to get going, and um, be sure to check that article out. Otherwise, have yourselves a fantastic day. I do not know for sure if there will be a podcast tomorrow because, again, I'm, I'm staying over somewhere else. I'll try to do what I can. Same issue with the article. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get that up. If I do, it'll be a little bit late. But uh, anyways, have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. I will talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye.